Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 121. Panic stations or too early to tell for some of England's elite. We take a look at the domestic troubles facing Leicester in the 2019 relegation battle. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, probably a slightly shorter one this week. We uh, we went we went on a bit last week, um, but we had with good reason. Um, but uh, I'm joined today by Dan, as always. Hi, mate. Cheers, we get. Sorry, I'm joined oh, today by Dan, as always. Hi, mate. Oh, sorry, mate. I thought this was our German one. No, 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 no. It's the English one. Okay, that, that's cool. on yeah, Fridays. That's on Friday. Ah, Freitag. Um, yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, it's been an interesting. It's been an interesting week. We've got lots to talk about. Um, we're going a bit domestic this week. It's unlike us. Naughty. Um, so yeah, got a few things to talk about there, and uh, and yeah, we're just kind of we'll see how the episode pans out. We don't. We haven't really got much of a plan for this one. So um, sometimes they're the best ones. Uh, um, well, yeah, there's nothing like. Uh... Displaying our incompetencies to to the audience, but let's go for it. Exactly. Well, before we do that, uh, let's just cover a couple of couple of comments we've had from people. Uh, firstly, um, and I'm actually not going to go into too much on this one today, but um, uh, our old friend Budgie Jointed uh, has, as we requested, sent us his um, squads for the Barbars game. So uh, oh, cool. that's brilliant. We will deal with that. Uh, we'll we'll look at that. But we'll save that for a future episode. But uh, I just wanted to, you know, he's obviously sent the email through, clearly given it a lot of thought. He's given us a squad for both England and for the Barbar. So, um, oh, wow. Really appreciate that. And yeah, as I say, we will come back to this in a future episode. Do not fret. But thank you so much for uh, for contacting us and, uh, and and sharing your wisdom. Without, without getting into detail, how does it look? It looks good. I, I mean, seen it. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save it. Yeah, sorry. What am I doing? Let's save that for for a relevant episode. Absolutely. Exactly. But thanks, Budgie. But yeah, appreciate the, uh, the, the you, you getting in touch with us. And as I say, yeah, we will definitely cover that at a future on a future uh, episode in the not too distant future, of course. Um, we've had one other review on iTunes. This one was from Ted Cord seventy four. Uh, he he gave it's an interesting one. Um, he gave us five stars. Always appreciated. Thank you. He calls it weapons grade hubris. He says okay. this, this podcast has an innovative format, namely the schedule of recording, which takes place before, during, and after an international match. The format does provide some frankly hilarious moments as myopic, tub thumping overconfidence before a game subsides into world class, statistically based <laughs> excuse making once this mentally fragile England team gets found out. The sheer number of its ifs and buts spouted off by this pair of Ruperts is trying in, in trying to justify throwing away a 30-point lead to a second-string Scottish side at home is eye-watering. Frankly, this is essential listening for any Celtic rugby fan every time England get ahead of themselves and come a cropper, which, let's be honest, happens every 15 months or so. P.S. The podcast photo art is beautiful. Thank you. Um, fair I, enough. I think, I think he has described the podcast... Absolutely perfectly, and I don't think we can have any grounds to argue on based upon what had happened. The only difference between the way we describe it and the way he describes it is his use of the English language is far more superior than ours. <laughs> this is a, this is a, a true a true fact. Um, yeah, look, 
one appreciate the fact that you know you're not a, a hardcore England fan, clearly uh, as a as a Celtic supporter. I don't know which which of them, but um, but the fact that you're, you're tuning in and listening to what we have to say, and uh, I hope that the five stars reflects that you know it is you, you are entertained by it. Um, uh, and of course, you know as we've always said, you know we we are openly biased and will always be, and sometimes that kicks us in the nuts <laughs> a little bit like uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, but, um, yeah, thanks, Scotland, you pricks. Um, it was, um, mate, have you listened back to that podcast? I haven't, no. I, t- I try and. It, I it, it was, I've got to admit, when I'm listening to it, I cannot believe, like, literally everything I said, I was like, this is 100% going to happen. And then obviously we watch a half or something. And that's 10 second gap to the listeners, a lot longer for us. <laughs> my next comment is the exact opposite. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm a moron. <laughs> But do you know what? I, that's why. That's why I like these. This episode format. Yeah, no same. one else is doing it, and I think it. I think. I think if we waited until the end of the game, we would simply have focused on the negatives, of course, like everybody of course. else did. Um, and I think by doing it this way, it means that we get to, you know, yeah. Sometimes it does bite us in the ass, but um, it offers a slightly different perspective, perhaps, um, which is a bit of fun. And that's what it's meant to be. So uh, hopefully that is what Ted was identifying there. And uh, and yeah, definitely. Look, if you're a Celtic rugby supporter, don't ignore us because of the name of the uh, the podcast. Um, listen in, and you know when things go horribly wrong, you can have a good laugh at our expense. But um, exactly. pre- appreciate you getting in touch, Ted. So and, and thank you so much for the five stars. Um, so yeah, that that was it for this week uh, from the reviews. But guys, as we always say, you know, get it. You want to get in touch? Uh, you can email us englandrugbypod at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook at England Rugby Pod, uh, or you can head over to iTunes and drop us a rating and a review like Ted did, um, and let us know what you think. Um, we'd really, really appreciate, obviously, uh, any time you can take out of your busy schedules to do that. But anyway, on to today's episode, um, and the big talking point at the moment, the big thing in the media is obviously. Um, Relegation and Leicester and and the risk that they are the, the kind of the, the the risky area that they're currently sitting in, given their five or six current England squad members um, and what happens to them in the event of worst case scenario. So, so there's yeah, well, there's a couple of things. So, firstly, there was still been um, there was still chat about whether relegation or promotion will happen. Nigel Melville has said, and and I can't see it being otherwise, relegation 100% will happen this season. And I think I think that's almost definite. There's five matches left to go. They're not going to suddenly, you, you know, change it so that if in future that happens, maybe I don't know, but I hope not. But this season, there definitely will be relegation. Is, is, is needed, I think. I agree. I agree. I understand the argument for there not being relegation and promotion, but... I think it takes away so much. Um, but, yeah, it's not just – I mean, we're focusing on Leicester this week because that makes sense. But realistically, I mean, before we're focusing on for relegation battle, uh, Leicester, Newcastle, Western Bristol, as I think pretty much everyone else is. Um, Leicester are the key ones because the England players. But let's not forget Worcester and Newcastle on a lot less scale still have England, uh, England players in there. Newcastle with Wilson – Worcester with obviously Tio and you can argue Ted Hill as well. It's Leicester, I think, is our focus because of the immediate and sort of longer term potential impact. Well, yes, I mean six six England squad members, um, strong squad members. You know, as yeah, well. yeah, yeah. A good four or five of them guaranteed starts. Four of them definitely. Um, 
it's or well, not guaranteed, but you know they're up there. Um, it's it's a it's a worry, right? I mean, if they were to go down, I know that I know that um, it's been said that you know they would still be selectable. Of course, why wouldn't they be? Um, but it's not about that, is it? It's not about whether or not you're allowed to select them for the for for England. I mean, the, the, uh, surely the the impact on them as players, given given the the drop in quality of the rugby they'll be playing throughout the season. Um, given the, the kind of the mental impact that has on you know you're supposedly some of the best players and meant to be some of the best players in the world, you're not even playing in the the best league in your you know in in the country in which you play your domestic rugby. Like that's a problem, right? So yeah, I, I'm looking at it two ways. So I mean, obviously the championship selection part. There's form for this before. I know um, there may be more, but I know off the top of my head that Chris Pennell was uh, selected to play to tour New Zealand with England when he was at Worcester in the championship. But so that part, fine, so be it. But the two ways I'm looking at this, first and foremost, is the impact it would potentially have on, on, on the England team at the World Cup. Now, not saying from a player perspective, because, you know, that they'd have played, it's not as if they'd have not had the top level rugby because it's sort of off season in that time. But yeah. it's about, where are your head at? If you're those six Leicester players, and let's be clear, not all of them have guaranteed release clauses. No. And and I suspect to Manu to like he does, but he's just committed to Leicester, uh, having turned down a huge offer from Racing. Will he then pull out on that? I, I don't know. Maybe he will if they're relegated. But where is your head at thinking, I know England's a different concept, but it must be such a low just being relegated. Is your head at, you know, you're not really in the right frame of mind, or is your head at a place where you're like, "That was shit." Now let's go and do something amazing. It's a difficult one. I think. I think. Look, there are five games left in the season, uh, and that's massively important because what what these players help Leicester to do or not do over the course of those next five games will have a massive impact on the World Cup and and where their heads are at going into the World Cup. So, you know, at the moment, Leicester are. You know, we're we're saying that they're in this relegation battle, but they're certainly not at the bottom of that four-way sort of split. Um, no, it's both you and I, I think agree that they're probably not going to be the ones that go down. Um, and I'll, we'll go so. we'll go into the the fixtures that are coming up, and, and I'll talk about why I think that uh, in a moment. But I think if if Leicester were if if the worst was to happen and Leicester were to go down. I think that I don't think that it's possible to simply go, okay, guys, come on, we've had a shit season, let's go and sort it out the World Cup. You know, I think it, I think it, it is a problem. I mean, there will be players yeah. thinking about their futures. There will be players questioning what they do next. We don't know what the all their contracts look like. Do some of them have release clauses? Will they go if the, even if they, you know, because I think it's a very good, if, you know, it's a high likelihood that the team that goes down is the team that's going to come up next season. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a difficult one. I, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's I don't think it's going to happen. But I don't think that it's something that they can simply say at the end of it. Oh, that was that was you know a few bad days at the office, and now we now we need to focus on the World Cup, crack on, and and it not and it not affect them. And I don't know. The problem is I don't know what what does Eddie do There's, with so many of them. It's not like Eddie can just go. Yeah, it's not going to work for us anymore. Or you know, it's not like they're all especially fringe. with which players as well. Well, yeah, yeah. exactly. They're, it's not like they're all fringe players where where it's sort of well, like it was touch and go before. This has just made it an, e- an easy decision. It's like you've got key 
key players that you're going to need to include. I, yeah, it's 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 worrying. Um, so, so, so it's, it's it's interesting because it's not necessarily even just about relegation. It's about how long. I, it's only five games left, but how, how much longer do the players will they know their fate if it goes down to the last weekend? That does that emotional turmoil between now and then does that also affect their chances? Bearing in mind there is quite a long time, but I meant if they stayed up, but it was only at the last weekend. No, I think there... I, I think in that situation the high of of you know managing to 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 do what needed doing, even if it did take until the last weekend, would potentially be enough to put their their kind of mindset in the right place. Um, for going back into England training and doing what they need to do with England, um, but let, let, let's look at the fixtures and and let's talk about why. I mean, at, at the moment, Newcastle are sitting bottom of the table, twenty nine points, um, and Bristol of those four are sitting top with thirty six points. So there's you know that's that's a pretty good cushion for Bristol um, at the moment. I say pretty good cushion. You know, it's a reasonable cushion, uh, seven yeah. points. Um, Leicester two points behind Bristol on 34 and Worcester in 11th place 32 what's probably more interesting is when you look at the fixtures um, and from Leicester's point of view okay they've got Exeter Newcastle Bristol Quinns and Bath in that order so what what I find interesting and bearing in mind Exeter to me is home and this may sound a ridiculous thing to say but that's that's what I'm all about but uh, to me Leicester can win all of those games, but they can also lose all of those games. So let's just give that a bit more detail. If they had Exeter at Sandy Park, they were way to Exeter, I would say they can't win that game. I think their toughest game there, Quinn's away, I think it's very tough. I can't see them beating Quinn's at the Sloop. I can't see them beating Exeter, but then what they have got, what kind of puts this in their own hands in a good way, is they've got Newcastle and Bristol. So the next three weeks, Exeter, Newcastle, Bristol, that is huge. If yeah. they lose those three games, my God, they're in trouble. Um, I mean, look at, that, let's look at it, look at it uh, from, a, from a different angle. If Leicester were to win one of their remaining games, yeah. no bonus points, so they'd get four, right? So they would then yeah. be on 38 points. Yeah. That would be their, in theory, their end of season. They, they win one of them. Let's say they beat Newcastle. Um so they're on thirty, well, and, and no bonus points for the rest of the game. It's not even a losing bonus or something. Well, well, for the sake of argument, we'll assume. Yeah, that, okay. You know? So they have a shocker, but they managed to to pull off a win in those last five games, which I'm sure they will do. I, you know, I can't see them losing all five of them. Um, so they're on thirty eight points in that scenario. Newcastle, they got Saracens up first. They're going to lose that. Uh, Leicester, we've just said they they lose that. Well, well, do they? Have we said they lose that? Yeah, in this, in this. So, so that's the game Leicester wins for Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, hypothetical, okay, yeah. right? So they lose that. Northampton currently fifth. I think they probably lose that. Gloucester in third. They probably lose that, and they've got Bristol in their last game. And let's say they pull off some miracle and they and they and they win that game. That puts them on thirty-three. Yeah, but I, I see what you're saying. But Newcastle are in quite good form, and bearing in mind they have got. Um, so say Saracens Leicester, say we put Devon as losses. Northampton they have at home, and Bristol they have at home. Okay, well let's okay, fine. Look at it from a different angle. Then we've got Leicester, Bristol, Newcastle, and Worcester, all yeah. fighting it out. Newcastle, Leicester, and Bristol are all kind of playing each other. Yeah. Right. So they've all got each other in in the mix. Worcester, on the other hand, who although they're eleventh, you know they're not last. 
They've got Wasps, Sale, Gloucester, Northampton and Saracens. That's second, third, fifth, sixth and eighth on the table. I, I have Worcester going down, I must I, admit. I, I think there's a very real possibility that Worcester lose all of their remaining games. Um, I, I think they'll pull off a win somewhere. I don't, I don't know where. Maybe Sale at home. Um, maybe, maybe even Northampton. Worcester have got some good results this season. I still think... Okay, so, I, so, so that, I think what I'm, this... I guess what I'm saying is because they're not playing any of the teams that they're fighting against, yeah. they don't have that big game that can completely change things. For, you know, no, with, no. with the others beating one of the guys they're competing against, that that's a massive scout and makes a huge yeah. difference. With I mean, Worcester, Worcester had that last week when they beat Bristol, but they don't now. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, exactly with in, with what's remaining. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I kind of feel like we're talking about Leicester and the risks to Leicester. Um, and then there's Newcastle and Bristol. I think Worcester are the ones in in you know in the most trouble at the moment. Uh, I agree. So okay, so let's look at it from Worcester point of view. So Worcester have Bentio. He's a fairly integral part of the England training squad. And Ted Hill. Now Ted Hill to me is an outside shout, but potentially an, an England choice, potentially World Cup for who short of injury. Well, so, so if we've got him as a, as a seven, I mean, he's played some class rugby. Um, so say an Underhill or a Curry. Okay, but let, 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 okay so, so this is this is nice because that gets me to, to something else. So I, I made a bit of a sort of list of potential back row players for, for England for, for a World Cup. I looked Why at the two, hell did you do that? Where why, did that come from? Why not? But um, nice. two, 2015 squad, England took, well, didn't take because we it was in England, but you know they had six back row players in the squad. Obviously, they 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 have four locks, of which at least two, if not three, of them could play back row as well. So it was cover. But they took six back row players. Looking at the England options, and I haven't got Ted Hill on the list, but I will add him now. Please do. You've got Billy and Tom Curry, who I think are, are, are shoo-ins. Yeah. You've got Sam Underhill. Who You've I think is a shoo-in. Mark Wilson. Is shoo-in. Brad Shields. Not a shoo-in. Nathan Hughes. Deserves a shoo-ing. <laughs> ben Morgan. <laughs> Matt Kvesic. Zach Mercer. Yeah. Chris Robshaw. Don Armand, we know, won't get a shout. You've got Sam Simmons. And then you've got Ted, Ted Hill. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Wow. Out of six spots if, if, the, if the, kind of the format was to follow the 2015 format. I, I don't see the need in taking more than six when you have... Because the likelihood of having... The amount of injuries is is unlikely, but plus you've also got uh, Courtney Laws, Mara Toje, who hey, can I'm, slip in the yeah, back exactly. They're, they're offering cover. I just don't see where Ted Hill f- slots in. I don't see him go, get it, slotting in ahead of Brad Shields. I don't see him slotting in ahead well, of. Well, where where I do is as a seven. If if you're going specialist seven. Okay, but and you've got you've got Tom Curry and Sam you've Underhill. Got Curry, Curry and Underhill, and which which brings me on to another. Uh, point that I wanted to talk about something that I that I read and I don't know whether this was old news and I picked it up picked I found a, a website and it had this quote might have been recent might have been older um, but something Sam Warburton said which is why not play Curry and Underhill you know two sevens with Billy at the back you've got Billy as the big ball carrier but both Curry and Underhill we know are ball carriers as well as sort of snipers they can you know they they will generate turnovers but they'll also carry the ball. You've got Billy doing the big carrying and, and you know heavy kind of traffic through heavy traffic. 
do you, why do we need to have a seven and a six? Like, what is the purpose of the six? If you like, oh my god, in layman's I terms. love that thought. And yeah, don't get me wrong, Mark Wilson's been awesome, and and I'd love, I'd oh, like yeah. to see him continue to be involved. Um, but but yeah, yeah. Question for you, like, what? Why do we need? A, what is the the layman's terms purpose of a six? If we're saying that a seven is kind of there to, I don't know, generate turnovers or or kind of be a bit just annoying to the opposition. Is the and six well, a second ball carrier? Is that one of the key key roles? I mean, obviously you've got to make tackles, but. So since so firstly, any sixes out there, please tell us please tell us your purpose. Please tell us why you are worthwhile rather than just a useless piece of shit. Uh, no, I'm kidding, I love six. My my issue with that is since Richard Hill played six, I've never questioned the need of it because he was so integral. Um but it, it is a good point. What's the purpose of a six? I guess a six is possibly I'd say historically a six is maybe a slightly more Physically intimidated or physically Extent, more powerful an extension player than of seven. Eight, somewhere between a, yeah, between the, between the seven and the eight, or ironically. Um, so it, it's a great point. I love the sound of a, I, I, but that's historical. The game changes. I love the sound of two sevens playing. I mean, I think Wales have formed, I think they've played Tipperick and um, yeah. well, it's, you know, we, we think back to 2003, and, um, and obviously, you know. We, it was very much a six and a seven, and they very much played the traditional roles of a six and a seven. Yeah, but you know, with Tom Tom Curry has was one of our stronger carriers, I think, in the Six Nations. Tom Curry was awesome, Dis, despite in theory being there to to be the guy at the bottom of all the rucks, stealing balls, and which he also did, you know, making tackles, which he also did. So, and we know Sam Underhill does the same sort of thing. It's it's the six because. We've had some good sixes. I mean, even a Robshaw, sixes tend to be, and then you look at like Richard Hill, sixes do tend to be absolute workhorses, whereas a seven might be more of a, sevens are just psychopaths, basically, just nasty little bastards. Uh, but you want that, and they're just, and they'll get in and they'll fight for the ball. They'll, you know, first up and chop those tackles, whereas a six does tend to be more of a workhorse. But, there's no reason a seven can't be a workhorse. Um, no, well, because you, you, if you look at Curry Underhill with Billy at the back, we know Mark Wilson is, has been brilliant at six, but he he kind of came onto the the England scene at eight. Yeah. So he potentially offers cover at eight, as well as you know at six or seven or well, six, because you're assuming your you, worst case scenario is only one of them's getting injured, um, and that maybe frees up a, a place on the bench. Because we already know we've got cover, back row cover in the form of the second row options. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Ra- rather, than, rather than having, you know, a flanker and a number eight on the bench. Yeah, pause it was a uh, thought. It is pause for thought, and we've done because then we get Rob Shaw and Haskell when they both uh, when they were both playing had that six, six and, and a half, half. Yeah. put on their top. But they were probably, in my mind, I'd say they're both more sixes than well, yeah, sevens. Well, yeah, it was more like playing two sixes rather than playing I, six and a half. I would rather play two sevens than two sixes. I think so. I think they, I think they disrupt the game more. Um, and and you know, with, with their carrying ability, you know, they're, they're still both physical players. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that sounds to me that sounds quite quite interesting. Uh, when I first read it, I thought, oh, what's Sam Warburton saying? 
something to get under the skin of the. And then I read it. I was like, no, actually, that's awesome. Why wouldn't? Why can't you do that? So yeah, there, there you go. That that is something I would like to see. Curry yeah, and that's... Underhill together. Um, so we digressed there. That was about we did. We did and Worcester going down, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> it was. All right. So, so, so basically, yeah. if Worcester go down with Ben Teo, we need to focus on. Yes. And you, you, in a very knowledgeable way, let me know that Ted Hill is not in the running. So thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, to me, Ben Teo, given his kind of commitment to Worcester over the years and everyone kind of going, you know, you're a lion, you're an England player, you're playing for a team that isn't guaranteed to stay in the premiership, he surely has a release clause. I also I also think that Ben Teo is leaving this summer. I'm sure I have heard that he will be leaving Worcester this summer anyway. I, so I, I purely agree. from an England perspective... Purely if you're looking at it from an England fan perspective, and this is not taking clubs into account because I, I like all the clubs, I have no issue. You want Bristol or Worcester to go down because it has the least impact on the England yeah. nationals. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I think, you know, regardless of who you support, you know, unless you're obviously supporting one of those two teams, yeah. you know, rugby, I don't know, maybe it's not the same for everyone, but I feel like rugby generally has less of a football mentality when it comes to supporting a specific team. I think people... As ironically, ironic as as sort of naff as it sounds, you know, it is more about supporting the game. You tend to pick a a team you want to win. Well, you tend to kind of pick the the team, the team you want to win in the match that you're watching, as opposed to being a hard. hard, I mean, I know you're you're a bit of a Gloucester fan, and they're they're perhaps slightly unique in that respect. In that they are all crazy fans. And and you're, you're, I mean, yeah, I think we're underselling some. I mean, some people are hugely. Where I think it's different from football is the absolute passion towards the national team. Whereas I don't think football. I think, and again, I I'm not speaking for all fans. I think the vast majority of rugby fans support England first, whereas the vast majority of football fans support club first. Club first. Yeah. Uh, I, I could, could be wrong there, but that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Right, and as you should. Well, thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I I think well, if he if because is, is it was it um, Bristol that he's been connected to? No, not Bristol, Bath. Sorry, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. It might be, but um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if he's leaving anyway, it's not an issue uh, for him. But I but I suspect if that isn't the case, and if he is con- contracted to stay with them, I'm I would I would expect, given the commitment that he's given to them. Uh, that he has a release clause and that he must, it, and do, that it right? will, and that it will, you know, be put in place, um, whatever the word is, <laughs> utilized uh, if if they are to go down. And I, th- I feel like that's the most likely scenario. Looking at the four teams at the bottom and and the the, the fixtures they've got coming up, uh, but you know, rugby's a crazy game and and strange things happen. And you know, Newcastle could go and have a sorry. Worcester could go and have a, a a string of results that puts them in a position where a bonus point makes all the difference. It's, it's difficult to know, um, but I think yeah, that on paper that to me looks like the most likely scenario, and I think probably probably the best scenario from an England perspective, as you say. What, what Worcester? Yeah. Well, no, Bristol's the best because there's no England players from an England perspective. Yeah, that's true. But, plus, uh, but I don't, we don't, I don't want to see Bristol. And we yeah, didn't, we didn't I, like them. The yeah, Shoguns, yeah. as they used to be called. Oh, they had some absolute proper toolboxes playing there at that time, didn't they? Oh, yes. Uh, what was the name of the fullback? Lee Best. 
Lee Best, you are a prick, my friend. <laughs> I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you're not. Lee Best guy. and Ben Sternum. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure you're a nice guy. You are an absolute villain. Um, but uh, yeah, this is. This, but that's our person. That's nothing to do with rugby. So no, it's was, not at all. Lee, Lee Best would go and chat up your missus, and then when you said, "Mate, can you uh, can you fuck off? She's got a boyfriend." Um, ben Sternum would come and punch you in the face. Yeah, yeah. Bearing in mind, Ben Sternum was like six foot five, and these guys are like eighteen. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. so good guys. You're a man, Ben Sternum. Yeah, good you're guys. super tough, you fat prick. Um, <laughs> it's uh, again, that was not not rugby chat. That was just our personal experiences, not personal experiences, and it didn't happen to us, but our experiences have seen it happen. But moving on, <laughs> rather we, than our we, probably, we probably should move on, yeah. Before before we get in trouble for, I don't know, I'm sure we've done something wrong. Even yeah, been getting personal. Um, so yeah, so the, the I, I guess the the point of all of this was that all the media is focusing on Leicester and what if, what if, what if. Um, I feel like there's a long way to go still, and I think all the questions of how it will impact the players. I think the next three games, as you mentioned, are key, and for Leicester in particular, because two of the people that they're two of the teams that they're competing with for relegation are in their next three games. Yeah, I think yeah. I think at the end of that, when Newcastle and Bristol have both played Leicester, that's the time to then either start saying you know few or starting to worry. Um, I, I think that's spot on because, like you say, two for three. I, I think it's fair to say I'm going to make a prediction here. I think it's fair to say Exeter won't be relegated, uh, and I'm going to stick by that prediction. I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's bold. It's a bold call. If, so, I mean, bear in mind it's mathematically impossible for so, them to finish in the top four. I'm thinking they won't be relegated. But it's bold call so early. Oh, I know, I know, but mate, that's what I'm all about. Well, fair enough. Because um, yeah, what is there? There's a maximum of five points. Isn't there? So twenty-five is available. Yes. So Newcastle could, best case scenario, Newcastle could get to fifty-four points. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, that just highlights how far away the end of the season is. Yeah, it's so far, and it's so close. Like Leicester, I can't remember who's above Leicester, but I think they're only a point above Bristol, even. It might be Northampton or something. Yeah, no, they're, Wasps. They're, wasps. wasps. On they're only a point ahead of Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, in... so you could argue that they're also in the mix. Yeah. Um, and then above them, you've got Bath on 39, only another two more points. So you could argue that they're in the mix, or that's 10 points between Bath and Newcastle at the bottom. But that's two games. But that's that two, two. Yeah, that's two, yeah. Bonus point, two bonus point matches. So, yeah, it, it, it's. I, I guess, yeah, we've made a big song and dance about the what's going on domestically and how Leicester are in, are in trouble. But there is a long way to go. Um, Something. Do you think there are enough teams in the Premiership? Yes. Yeah. Purely from our from. So I think the Premiership has to go one of two ways, and I don't think you can do the same. Either I actually think you either have to go to less teams. No, actually that's bullshit. I don't think you get less teams. Uh, you could, but you can either stick with teams or you go significantly more teams. But there aren't good enough teams. You can't ask for players to play more games. What, what what about if you had more teams, but you but but you you didn't play only home. played them once. Yeah, yeah you don't play home and away every season. So, you alternate by season. So so that that was that was a sort of thinking. And if they ring fence it, that's a thinking. But the reality is, there's not enough good teams out there because you still you don't want there only being. So say you move it to fifteen teams, for argument's sake. 
then you only play 14 games a season. Commercially, that's not viable. Yeah. Uh, actually, as a fan, you want a lot more ga- You do want more games than that. And the reality is, if you look at the championship, which other teams could realistically, you know, even given a couple of seasons, could maybe compete in the Premiership? There's not many. I mean, London Irish, sure. Possibly Ealing Town find us where they're playing. Maybe Yorkshire, Carnegie. But it will take a while for these teams to compete, and it and it will take away something from competition because you will yeah, have you will have the teams who are just should they never get rid of compete. yeah should they get rid of the playoff ah uh, so getting rid of the playoff was a shame because to me that was the best game in rugby those championship playoffs uh, sorry which obviously uh, they don't uh, do anymore yeah I, I mean like the 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 championship um, games at the top not the playoff what do you, um Come on, Dan, help really? me out. What are you on about? I think you're on about the players. What, when the championship teams play to... To find who wins. Not the championship, the premiership. Oh, get, get rid of that. Um, what's, it, what's it called? Why am, I being, why am I being so thick? It is the playoffs, isn't it? Why have you now confused me? Well, I don't know. You threw me with all your chat about... Uh, about I thought you were on about championship. Why, no, why no, are you no. messing with me? Uh, basically, what I'm saying is, at the moment, they all play 22 games. Yeah. Except the top four play more than 22 games. They played twenty four, yeah. And so with well, all the chat, twenty three or twenty four, yeah. So with all the chat about you know trying to reduce the number of games that people play, and and obviously those games being so vitally important, why not just scrap them and just say, do you know what, you've got twenty two games to reach the top, and whoever nah. ends on the most points wins, which is how it should be. It, it kind of is how it should be, but it also adds a lot of excitement. It does, and it, and, it, and, it, and it makes a lot of money. It. Yeah, so I don't think you can get rid of that just yet. Um, I don't mean I don't want that to be got rid of either. Fair enough. Because I also think that it, yes, yeah, finishing top, but and although this is sort of a reality anyway, every season at the moment it'd be like, oh, Exeter or Saracen, sort of, yeah, fine, they're going to win doing that. And although they tend to do that anyway, just in the playoffs, you know, just having a Quinn's or a Gloucester sneak in, you're like, oh, this mate, this could be interesting, you know, especially as a fan of one of those clubs. Um. You know, you're looking at it thinking, is it likely we're going to be whatever, extra, it's any of our, you know, Saracens of the Alliance? Is it likely? No, but there's a chance, and that does add a bit of a bit of excitement. Like, there was a chance that Scotland could come back and draw against England at, at Twickenham. I mean, it was never going to happen, but, you know, at least there's a chance that that could happen. This is true. Um, fair enough, fair enough. I'm, I'm not really sure where we go from here because we kind well, of went into this with this whole kind of we need to talk about domestic rugby and it's it, you know it's it's a disaster and but actually it's I think we've established it's it's too early we need to, we need to wait three more weeks or four more weeks or however well well that, 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 that was the time well spent so I, I don't mean we need to, I don't mean we need to go go into much else because guys next um, next week our podcast we will be. It won't be strictly where we record, but roughly our two-year anniversary. And what we are going to do... Andy, I'll let you set it up, because you're the one doing the legwork for this. Oh, am I? I wasn't aware. <laughs> yeah, sorry, um, I haven't let you... Thanks very much. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a look at the all-time most capped England 15. So that's looking at, obviously, the most capped players in each position. Um, that I did see something similar somewhere, which is what gave me the idea, but I didn't go into much detail. And we thought, do you know what? It's been a bit of a rocky Six Nations, ups and downs. World Cup's coming up. It's our two-year anniversary. Let's celebrate England and let's go, what does the, the most capped ever England team look like? And I think it'll be interesting because there are a mixture of current players 
kind of and and, and legends, if you like, um, certainly of, of the recent times, because of course um, by doing it on on caps, you are ignoring some of the the the, the older legends when England just simply didn't have as many fixtures. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a look at that, um, and we we may, depending on how much time that's likely to take up, we may also then take a look at our. Uh, uh, budgie jointed suggestions for the Barbars game because, of course, that's one of the games England have got left between now and the World Cup. Um, but I, I think we'll wait to do that. Ordinarily, we, that wouldn't be a, a a first team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we'll wait to do that. We'll wait till the end of the season, maybe to do that, or or we'll wait till later because you, you know Budgie's putting a big effort. I feel like we owe we owe him and our listeners a big effort on picking that team. Fair enough. So, so yeah, we, the the plan is to focus therefore on this uh, celebration of England. Um, the all-time most capped team. Doesn't uh, sound like us. It doesn't sound like us. I mean, that's just not something we would normally do. I mean, we're, normally <laughs> exactly. so, we're normally so negative uh, about that. Wow, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's the plan. So if you've got any ideas, uh, guys, on that, obviously there are certain things you can't really have ideas on because they, they have us, they have the caps and it, the team will be what it is. Um, <laughs> but maybe we'll look at you know our all-time England 15 if we were choosing it. Um which I believe we might have done in the past. I can't remember. Something rings We a have bell. done. We have done, yeah. So maybe we'll look to compare what we said then to, to what the caps statistically suggest the team looks like um, and do a comparison that way. Um, but yeah, that is the plan for next week. Uh, but yeah, get in touch. Let us know if you've got any ideas. As we've said a few times, we have had some ideas in. We will come up with a bit of a plan to put a few different things together between now and the next time England come together. Um, but in the meantime, thanks obviously for listening once again, and uh, we will catch you guys next week. Um, as we said at the beginning, if you want to get in touch with us, englandrugbypod at gmail.com, or you can reach out on Twitter or Facebook at englandrugbypod. And if you get an opportunity, we'd really appreciate if you head over to iTunes, drop us a rating, drop us a review, let us know what you think, because uh, that is how we get noticed and. Um, it's how we hopefully can grow between now and the World Cup. It's not that far away now. So uh, we'd really appreciate uh, any of that. And of course, we'll read out whatever you have to say in, in future episodes. So um, please do get in touch, guys. And uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>